G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, sometimes we think of some great heroes of faith who put an end to slavery some 200 years ago. But when we think of what slavery really is, we recognize that slavery has many, many different forms to the point where there is a particular day when we can recognize that slavery is such a problem we need to take action. And Abolitionist Sunday has been set aside. It's on the 23rd of November a day to take action and to think very deeply and carefully about the ways that slavery affects so many people around the world. Let's hear from World Vision about the focus they're bringing to Abolitionist Sunday for the 23rd of November. Ruth Durnley is the World Vision Public Advocacy Manager. She's joining us. Hello, Ruth. Welcome to 2020. Thank you very much. Ruth, we sometimes think that slavery was defeated 200 years ago, but slavery continues in so many forms today. It does, sadly. It's um, a sad fact of the global demand for cheap goods and services produced at low cost um, that has driven a a continued demand for human trafficking or modern-day slavery. And although the legal slave trade was abolished uh, 200 years ago plus um, by a group of abolitionists, campaigners really motivated by a sense of gross social injustice and by their faith, um, the campaign to end it legally, it still, can, um, can, it still carries on today. Um, it's behind closed doors, it's hidden underground, but it's very much in a lot of the products and services that we buy today in Australia. Okay, let's talk about some of the ways that that slavery continues. Uh, people working in fields, in mines, uh, on fishing boats, uh, in homes as slaves, in factories, the sex industry, these sorts of things, these continue uh, around the world in so many different nations. It, it really does, and it contains so many different industries um, around the world. I often like to think that often the, the shackles of old, when we think of the, um, of the slave trade, have been replaced by psychological binds and ties. People through force, fear, um, trickery, coercion um, and threats are kept trapped. They're not free um, and they're repeatedly exploited over and over again for uh, their labour. That can be in a number of different industries, as you said, um, men, women and children trapped in those conditions, not getting paid in dangerous, dirty and degrading jobs. We know that World Vision is working in so many different places around the world. Are you able to tell us about specific uh, ministries of World Vision that actually target these areas of slavery? Absolutely. It's a big part of our work. And um, it's fair to say that to end trafficking and slavery, we need a very holistic response. It is not just about the rescue and uh, removing people of that from a situation, although that is vital work. It's about providing them with the long-term sustainable help and support they need from psychosocial support um, to recover from the trauma to creating other livelihood opportunities um, and uh, ensure that they're their shattered lives um, that comes from these uh, horrendous ordeals can be rebuilt. And there is some hope in that 
that they're able to go on to new paths and um, live out their lives um, in all their fullness. But a really critical part of this is preventing it happening in the first place, driving down um, the demand um, and the supply of people um, who, are, um, who are so easily exploited. And that is work for um, educating people how to migrate safely um, so that they don't get trapped and tricked into um, appalling conditions when they are in other countries and away from their protective family and community units. It's um, creating other opportunities for people. Um, addressing some of the causes of poverty and the lack of job opportunities and lack of education in the first place. So this is a very big holistic program of work that we do. We know that there are more people trapped in these um, exploitive conditions in um, the Asia-Pacific region than any other region in the world, although there are, it is incredibly a global problem, but just uh, due to population size there. And there is a lot of um, migration across borders, but trafficking can even happen in people's own hometowns and own communities of being trapped in that, in that condition. Um, and it is that competitive advantage, that drive for cheap labour um, and to sell on a product at a higher price. And so even so, it may be happening overseas in communities. It's certainly in a globalised world where we are buying um, products and commodities from all over the world. It is real um, and exists in our day-to-day -day lives here in Australia as well through all the products we buy, like you say, in our um, coffee, tea, chocolate, um, some of the seafood, even down to people building bricks, um, making bricks and breaking rocks for the construction industry or going down mines to get the, uh, get the minerals that are needed to run our laptops and mobile phones. Well, it even includes sometimes the clothes we're wearing, Ruth, and uh, and the electronic goods we're buying. It really is very widespread. How do you actually check on whether the products you're buying are coming from sources where the people who've put those products and services together actually are not in this sort of slave trade? Yes, I think the first question to ask, ask ourselves is when we're buying a product is to consider the price. Now, price is a really good indicator. It's not a guarantee. But if you're buying a T-shirt that's produced at a very low cost, $10 um, for a T-shirt, we've got to think, can everyone that had to be involved in making that from picking the cotton, from dyeing and bleaching it and stretching it into thread right through to sewing the T-shirt together, can they have been paid a fair wage if we're paying such a low price for it? And there are um, ethical certification um, schemes that you can look out for. Look out for their labels, it, which provides the most credible assurance that no exploitative labour practices were used. So that's things like the fair trade label, um, which is available on cotton and some um, consumer supermarket type goods, or the Rainforest Alliance um, labels. Using these as a way of identifying is our first port of call. We've also got to ask questions of the companies that we regularly buy from to make sure they're doing all they can to mitigate the risk of um, forced child or trafficked labour um, appearing in their product. So there are meaning, really meaningful ways that we can do that um, by looking for this ethical certification and slowly by switching over to more ethical products. We're voting with our dollar and saying we're not going to stand for the exploitation of other people in the products we buy and that sends a very strong message to businesses. Ruth Durnley is our guest. Ruth, stay with us because I'd like to talk to you some more about what's happening with World Vision and uh, I want to talk to you about some levels of advocacy when it comes to world leaders even on our shores. We'll come back and we'll talk some more in just a short while. We're talking about ways in which we might approach the idea that people here in our modern day in various countries around the world are in what we'd call a modern day slavery. 
We're talking with Ruth Dernley, who is World Vision's public advocacy manager and talking about ways that we can recognise these things with Abolitionist Sunday coming up on the 23rd of November. But, Ruth, when we talk about these sorts of issues, we surely need to have world leaders who are taking up the battle for fair pay, uh, for uh, putting an end to this sort of level of slavery we've been talking about. Is there anything that World Vision's doing when it comes to G20 leaders being on our shores? Yes, it's a really um, critical point that you raised there, that everyone has a role to play, from us as individuals, but governments and businesses internationally, and world leaders um, do as well. The G20 has recently recognised um, through their employment ministers' meeting that they need to take a strong stand against forced and child labour. And this has been through continuing lobbying through the public and NGOs um, of the, the G20 forum uh, to actually say, well, they need to prioritise measures to help vulnerable groups as part of their mandate for strong, sustained economic growth. They need to make sure that's inclusive of the most vulnerable people. And we need to recognise that child labour, which drives down adult wages, suppresses the opportunity for economic growth in countries. So as well as being um, a horrific moral obli- um, a horrific issue with lots of moral obligations for how governments should take leadership, there's also economic reasons that we need to end child labour in order to ensure that all communities can grow out of poverty. And it's been um, very... Um, uh, it's, it's been wonderful news. It's been very positive that the G20 has actually recognised that this year and will work to prioritise measures to help some of those vulnerable groups. Ruth, there are wonderful Christian foundations in World Vision, and I know you do like to talk to Christians who are a part of churches. What sort of a role has to be played by churches and by people who sit in the pews in churches to yes. speak up on behalf of these people who have been exploited? I truly believe that in a world that does exploit people for profit, the church has to speak out. And that's as individuals, as Christians, um, taking action in our everyday lives, but also taking a role to educate other people within our community. Abolitionist Sunday is a vehicle to do just that. It's where churches can register for free resources provided by World Vision to help educate their congregation about the ways in which they can help end this social injustice um, internationally. Um, It's founded on the principles of the abolitionist movement of over 200 years ago, where William Wilberforce, one of the leaders in British Parliament, said, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say that you did not know. And uh, we really believe that if more people know about the issue of trafficking, slavery and this global injustice, that more people are able to speak out and take action. And the church has a critical role in spreading that message. Churches will pray, churches will talk about this issue of the ongoing problem of slavery around the world. Uh, what about people giving finances? What about people giving time to the effort to stamp out slavery? Are those things possible for people to do if they think, uh, I'd like to do something more? They certainly are. Um, we run um large regional programs to prevent, um, protect and respond to um, the issues of trafficking and slavery and it's possible to, for um, churches to donate to, the, to that work through the Abolitionist Sunday event um, and others. But it's also possible for them to um, write letters to their MPs, show that, that, they, that they care about this issue and this is something that they want the Australian government to do, as well as looking at their own practices, looking at the tea and coffee that are provided within the church, could they be buying a more ethical um, variety and valuing people in the everyday, um, everyday activities of the church?
Well, we mentioned millions of people around the world are still forced to work in fields, mines, fishing boats, factories, the sex industry, often without pay and in terrible conditions. Abolitionist Sunday is all about raising awareness of that whole issue. And we've been talking with Ruth Durnley, who is World Vision's public advocacy manager. On Abolitionist Sunday, what would you hope that churches will do? What sort of profile do you hope that churches will give to the issues of this modern-day slavery, Ruth? I hope people will speak up and look um, and reflect on their role in taking action um, for other people around the world. It's a brilliant movement where we recognise that every single individual action adds up together. Last year, over 27,000 Christians were represented through Abolitionist Sunday events in uh, hundreds of churches around the country. By standing up, by taking, um, taking a stand against this injustice, by acknowledging and pledging that they, they can do things in their own lives, in their own congregations, in their own communities. That is how we will give hope to the millions of people who around the world still suffer this injustice. Ruth, I'll point people to the World Vision website, worldvision.com.au. Ruth Durnley is World Vision's Public Advocacy Manager. Ruth, thanks so much for talking to us about uh, this particular Abolitionist Sunday, the 23rd of November. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.